Good morning, everyone. You're welcome to Booktown. And uh, my first guest on the show is Alan Maurice. Oh, Alan, let's uh, hear from you first a quick introduction and tell us what book you're going to tell us about today. Good morning, Ronan. Good morning, everyone. Um, I brought along a book called The Pie Room by Callum Franklin. Uh, he's a chef in the UK. Runs, he's the executive chef of a big five-star hotel and runs a restaurant there, but he's also the pie king. Uh, and we here at uh, Savoir Faire, uh, where I work, do pâté en croûte once a week, which is a traditional French sort of uh, pie. And he's become hugely famous doing these sort of things and other more traditional pies as well. Uh, and it's a book that, uh, though I don't use his recipes, uh, I find a lot of inspiration in. And I think for the, somebody who wants to get going with that sort of thing at home, he has lots of little tricks and tips to, uh, to be able to do some really, really fancy showstoppers to share with your guests, when we can have guests. Um, and they're just a, a, great, a great book. Great. So we're, we're going to return to that presently. But um, maybe first, Alain, just tell us a little bit about uh, where you're from and where you grew up and uh, how you got into the food business. Well, I'm from here, uh, but I'm half French, half Irish. My dad is French. I grew up, I was born here um, in Mayo. Uh, my mum is from Newport, so I, I grew up in and around uh, Newport, Castle Bar. And then um, in the early 80s, mid 80s, we moved to France. And so I spent my, uh, my sort of later um, younger years there, then my teens in France, um, and sort of, I then sort of carried on my life halfway between both in London for a long number of years. Um, and then, yeah, so my dad, being French, coming to Ireland, just fitting every stereotype you can think of, was a chef, and hence why uh, sort of growing up in that uh, environment, my parents had a restaurant, then when we moved to France, my father was... Uh, running a hotel, uh, so yeah, just food was really, uh, restaurants, um, cooking, all these sort of things, a little bit of wine here and there, uh, it was just the environment I grew up in, so it's one that just felt comfortable to me when it came to choosing a, a career path, and one I've followed ever since, been a little, little over 25 years now, I suppose, that I've been dabbling, working in this, uh, in this trade, um, yeah, and then sort of so I was in, we were in London for a long, I was in London for a long time, met my partner Noria, she's Spanish, so we're a very uh, European family. We had our first child in London, and London was great in our 20s and 30s, a lot of fun to be had, but um, uh, when things got a bit more serious and there was kids to be raised, uh, Westport just felt like the, the right fit for us. And once we, were, we moved here and opened Savoir Faire. Okay, so Savoir Faire, give us a little bit of an idea about the, uh, the kind of philosophy behind it. So Savoir Faire is kind of means know-how, is that right? In, yeah, so it's a, it's, yeah. A, it's a play on words a little bit. The way we spell it, so Savoir Faire in uh, French means uh, the, the skill, the know-how of the, of the workman, uh, the know-how to do. Uh, but we spell fair instead of spelling it the French way, which is F-A-I-R-E, we spell it F-A-R-E, which is another word for food. So essentially, a little bit of that French arrogance coming through, we claim to know food. Um, and, um, but the food that we serve, that we promote, that we are very passionate about is Irish food, Irish produce. Everything we do here is, uh, every, all the, we have a little cheese and meats counter, everything in there is 100% Irish. All the produce you find on our shelves are 100% Irish. 
apart from the wine, but I'll come back to that. And um, the food we serve at the table uh, is it's not 100% Irish. We have little luxuries of, uh, of foreign imports like black pepper and things, uh, a few other things like that. The odd orange maybe here and there. Uh, but all the meat, veg, uh, all the sort of the primary ingredients uh, will, be, will be Irish. Um, we really, you know, really passionate about the quality of Irish food, uh, Irish produce, which is second to none uh, in this country. We have the best meat in the world, we have the best dairy in the world, we have the best fish and seafood in the world, and we really, really want to, to just make people aware of that. The Irish, we're not the best at communicating the, the, the quality of our produce and uh, singing our own praises. So we just, you know, want to bring a little bit of the, the, the Gaelic produce and add a bit of Gaelic flair to it. Uh, and hopefully uh, make everyone proud of what we got here and um, Westport being a great tourist town, a lot of uh, tourists from the four corners of the world coming and just showing them what, what we got and it can rival anybody's anywhere. Uh, I say the wine, so the wine obviously uh, our big focus is local as well, not just Irish but as much as possible local. Uh, most of the meat we use is produced here in Mayo, a lot of the vegetables we use are produced here in Mayo. Uh, many cheeses we have are produced in Mayo uh, and if some things aren't produced but would be finished like our coffee is produced here in, uh, in town by Bean West uh, and then the wine if you look at Ireland you know there are a few small wine producers uh, we don't have the climate we don't really have particularly the, the best type of soil for it so our local wine is continental wine so we only serve only sell uh, continental, that is continental Europe, uh, European wines. You won't come to us and find South African or Australian or American or Argentinian because uh, we want to really uh, get people thinking more local. Um, and then seasonality is the other big thing that we want to promote. Um, if you're eating a strawberry in December, it's probably not a very tasty strawberry. It's probably either been flown from halfway around the world or uh, grown in a greenhouse burning a lot of fossil fuels to heat it um, and thus we really think that things you know in June strawberries are in season gorge yourself on strawberries till you can't see a strawberry anymore till the following June uh, and really enjoy things uh, that way um, or just do a little bit of preserving you know make your big stash of uh, strawberry jam to get you through the winter the same goes for all the other you know the avocados the big you know the big trend for smashed avocados these days um, do you really need to have a smashed avocado on your toast with your poached egg every Sunday? Probably not. Have it as a little treat every now and then. And then, you know, the other thing is sustainability, the environment, uh, very important. Or food, the food we consume is, is probably the number one uh, factor in terms of uh, damage done to the environment in the world. Uh, so the biggest power we have is the food choices we make what we buy and uh, what we spend our money on. Buying local obviously is very important, but also look at how it's produced. Going back to the avocados, a lot of the avocados you buy come from Mexico. They're grown in uh, semi-dry, semi-desertic uh, regions, and avocado is a hugely uh, water-heavy crop. And so water has been pumped from deep down underground or from miles and miles away to, to, to water these avocados, depriving other vegetation of what is rightfully its or uh, its water uh, supply, same for almonds and all these things. So just you know, make the right food choices, and hopefully, uh, through what we do here, just inspiring people or showing people that you can have some fantastic, really tasty food, uh, but also um, 
with concern for the environment, for sustainability, for animal welfare, things like that. So that's really what Savoir Faire is about. It's about a lot of things, um, but primarily just good local Irish produce, knowingly, passionately um, produced uh, with a, a, a worry for the environment, sustainability, and animal welfare, I suppose, is what it's yeah. So, Alan, give us an idea of one of the cheeses, for example. So I've heard you talk about the cheeses here in Mayo. Just, just pick one and give us a sense what what it is about the the terrain or whatever you want to go, the earth, etc. Well, the, so dairy, Ireland has the best dairy. There's a very simple reason for that. One of the reasons we all possibly don't like Ireland so much at times and would like to be in the south of Spain or whatever, it's the rain. You know, the, all that rain that comes out of the sky makes our grass very... Uh, very lush and uh, rich and um, then on farms where uh, that grassland those fields are properly managed there's huge diversity in the in the in the grass it's not just you know when you see a field of just plain green blades of grass it's a little bit dull you do want to you know diversity you want a little bit of marigolds daisies uh, other other types of greenery in there and the cows feeding on all that richness um, just produce incredible milk uh, i mean uh, the, the best example i always tell people you know when you come to ireland don't bother buying double cream buy double cream if you want double cream of course but single cream in ireland is pretty much as as fat rich as double cream in a lot of other countries uh, and that's just from the richness of of our grass uh, and that translates then into the cheeses um, that very diverse uh, grassland all those flavors there's a few of the cheeses we sell here uh, from mayo uh, i'm thinking of one the um, made by the Dozios uh, in Carrick Castle in East Mayo. Um, their Bar Rua, which is an aged Alpine style cheese. You, know, you can taste the pasture in the cheese. You can taste those little hints of, of white flower marigolds. You can taste you know, all sorts of different things, uh, as well as the lovely earthiness, you know, that deep, dark, rich soil. Uh, my mother is a great permaculture advocate. Uh, and she's all about having nice rich soil. And here you see, you know, you're driving along the road and you see road bursts and you, and you see them tipping over the, the, the earth to, to make way for a road or whatever. And you see the deep, rich soil. Like, I mean, it's what people sell you as uh, peat or compost in, in flower uh, in garden centres. Uh, and we have that, you know, just uh, at, the, at the tip of our spades to turn, turn a little sod of turf and underneath is the, the most uh, incredible soil. Um, rich with all sorts of nutrients that, that then is found in the food and then goes to making us uh, more healthy uh, people. Right, and then you've got this nice combination obviously of the, so there's actually even some people from Mayo uh, have ended up in, in France making wines. I mean there's a historical yeah, yeah. connection right with France and Spain because well, we have to go somewhere to get our wine. Right? In, so. in, well yeah, the wine, the, wine, uh, the wine world is full of uh, expats and immigrants uh, uh, and everything. It's the, the, the Catholic Church that we have to thank for bringing wine to most corners of, uh, of the world because obviously the uh, wine is required to uh, celebrate the Eucharist. Um, but then, you know, uh, you mentioned Irish or Mayo people uh, going, going f uh, off making wine. There's um, Roisin Curley, who's a native of Ballyhonas here in Mayo. Uh, a pharmacist by trade had a, a passion for wine. She went. Uh, she went off numerous places, trained in some of the most amazing French chateaux and in Australia and uh, so on. And now is making uh, wine in Burgundy, and it's absolutely fantastic wine. There's other Irish wine uh, winemakers uh, uh, across the world. You know, the Irish. We, we go off, as you know, we go off 
everywhere and anywhere and do everything and anything. So it was, it was only natural that people fell into uh, making wine. But then wine being made in Ireland, grape wine, there are a few. I'll be honest, I, I, I don't think they are the, the best, though maybe interesting, but maybe not the most the best. But there are some great fruit wines made in Ireland. Uh, there's Wicklow Way Wine, uh, who make uh, three different uh, berry wines, a strawberry, a raspberry, a blackberry. There's uh, the great guys at uh, Kilahora down in Cork who make uh, apple, apple ice wine, apple port, um, uh, High Bank Orchard that a lot of people know through their vinegars and things. They have a lovely apple uh, wine also. Um, and just, you know, again, the bounty, uh, the bounty of this country and talking of apples, for instance, you know. We all say that you can't find an Irish apple. You can find lovely Irish apples. They're just mostly cooking apples. You know, they're not apples that you pick up and you bite into. But once you, you apply yourself and spend a little time showing them a bit of tender love and care, you make amazing apple sauce, apple pies, apple tarts, apple, apple wine, apple jellies, apple uh, compots, apple all sorts. Um, uh, but there it is, just embracing what you have and making the most of it. Okay, so... Um before we move on to the book, just one, one last thing to tip on is, uh, you, you know, there's an element of Spanish uh, wine as well and food. You had a um, talk about, like, for example, sherry, which has a, you know... Uh, well, I like... I've, I've, um, when I was working in London, I, uh, I found myself spending a lot of time in Spanish tapas bars and things uh, and just fell in love with that, uh, that particular culture, sherry being one, one aspect of so the whole tapasy thing and, you know, small plates and all that. When done well, it's it's great for somebody like me who loves food. And I look at a menu and I want to have one of everything. Uh, obviously, uh, the portion sizes, uh, as a rule in Ireland, kind of preclude that. One of everything is not necessarily possible because it would just be too much food. But the uh, the 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 Spanish tapas style of doing, I can look at a menu and say, well, yeah, we'll just start from the top and work our way down, uh, which I think is a very fun way of of, of dining. And then obviously. Um, the boss, as I call her, or the missus, or my partner, uh, Nuria, is from Spain, from Valencia. So I spend a lot of time going back and forth from Spain, and um, the in-laws come to visit. And so, yeah, a lot of Spanish-influenced uh, food gets consumed in, in our house. And it's just a style that I, I really enjoy. Again, a lot of it, when you look at it, is, is very, very, kind of like Italian food as well. It's very simple stuff, but focusing on the produce, which I think is something that maybe we don't do enough of here. We have great produce. Uh, we need to simplify what we do a little bit and just bring it back to the produce and showcase that rather than wanting to add too many bits of this and bits of that and the whole fusion thing, uh, I don't see the need for it. Uh, do you need goji berries everywhere? No, probably not. Uh, you know, just some good produce, simply put on a plate, nice bit of bread or even just a nice cup of uh, Irish tea uh, instead of wine. It, you know, it, 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 a nice slice of toast with a poached egg and nice Irish butter and a good cup of tea. There's no better way to start a day. Very good. So, uh, as you know, this is the, the first uh, show uh, of our of book town. So we're going to talk a little bit about a book. And I suppose it's kind of appropriate that uh, this is in London, which has you know, uh, been a great uh, meeting place for people as well. So introduce the book to us, the title and the name, and, and you know, talk about uh, what, what you've learned from it. Why, why it's one of your favourite books? So the book is called The Pie Room. It's by Callum Franklin in uh, edited uh, Bloomsbury edition. Uh, it's um, I had the pleasure of working with Callum many years ago. Uh, we both worked at the Great Eastern Hotel in London, uh, and he then went on to uh, become 
uh, a very a very able uh, and very sought after chef. He's now the executive chef at the Holborn Dining Rooms in London, um, and through his love of uh, his own British uh, culinary culture and the, the the French culture that he, he learned his trade in and working in French style restaurants in London, he developed a, a passion for uh, pâté en croûte. Uh, which is these uh, a terrine, like a terrine, country terrine encased in a pastry uh, case, um, and then uh, you know British pies and uh, your your pork pies and hot crust pies and all sorts of pies, uh, and he made himself uh, a name doing doing that, and uh, uh, you know with the old social media, Instagram, Facebook, got, got a good few followers because the things he does. Uh, if you are on Instagram, I recommend you you check him out on his. Uh, his profile, Chef Callum. That's, if you hold up the book there, I'll take a photograph of it and we can kind of share it. Yeah. Great. Uh, his, his Insta profile, Chef Callum, you know, it's just, never mind eating the, the things he does, you just want to put them in a frame and hang them on the wall. Uh, they look so stunningly uh, spectacular. At uh, the uh, top of the book there, you'll see, you know, quote from Jamie Oliver, Callum is the pie king. It's not everybody who writes a book gets a quote like that from Jamie Oliver, so that kind of tells you the the, the level of uh, of quality. And for me, so it's a book came out um, just be, well, autumn last year, so not one that I've had for for that long, uh, but uh, one that uh, I think is great because here at Savoir Fair we do um, we do pâté en croûte once a week. We do one different pâté en croûte. If you go to Callum's uh, restaurant or uh, buy a pie from the pie room. He has several to choose from every day, never mind every week. Um, uh, part of the inspiration for that was just following Callum and seeing the, the, the great uh, uh, following he got from doing his uh, pâté en croûte. But um, also it's just one of, some of those old style recipes, old style uh, techniques that are, you know, being lost, but it's great to, to have them come back. And so, as I was saying to you earlier, Ronan, the, the whole pâté en croûte thing is something that if you go onto Instagram or wherever, it's one of those rabbit holes you, you can very quickly fall down and find yourself uh, following all sorts of obscure people doing very, very interesting uh, things. Um, but I like this book because um, people will come in here, I, got, I diverted there a little bit, people come in here, they have the pâté en croûte, they like it and they ask, oh, how do you do that, how do you do this? Uh, um, it, it, it is a little bit complicated, it does require a little bit of skill, uh, but in Callum's uh, book he makes it very um, uh, very easy, some very easy recipes to follow, uh, everything is broken down, very easy techniques uh, and so on, and lots of great pictures really perfectly describing what's, uh, what's required and what you need to do, uh, and makes it very um, approachable for the, uh, for the, home, the home cook with not too much equipment or anything to be able to do something quite stunningly pleasing to put on your dinner table uh, or to bring to a, a picnic. I'm looking, as I, as I speak, I'm looking for a, a, a picture uh, there to show you, just to give you an idea of the sort of uh, things here. Here's one that we actually, we are, I have been inspired by and we will be doing for Easter time. Um, I think is quite amazing that beautiful pie there with the egg nice and the yolk still relatively runny in the middle. Uh, that takes a little bit of skill and uh, knowing your equipment and your oven quite intimately so that it's not overcooked. Um, and there you are, just you know, it's all broken down. He also talks a lot about, and that's one of the aspects of uh, 
that I like about Callum is that you see the you know the big name celebrity chefs on telly who are all me 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 me. Uh, Callum he spends a lot of time talking about his team and the people that uh, helped him along the way uh, and how a lot of the inspiration for what he does or what we see as him having done has actually come from uh, members of his team. So I, I like to see chefs who give a little credit back to where it is. None of us are able to do anything all on our own. We all need a team behind us. Uh, and so it's uh, it's great to see that. It's also great to see the sort of, um, uh, it gives you an insight into the inner workings of uh, a chef's mind or a chef of his caliber's mind and the, the, the extreme attention to detail uh, that he uh, he goes into. Um, the decoration on some of his pies and uh, it's all done to, the, to millimeter precision. Um, a famous story is that um, you can, if you want to do lattice on a pie or a tart or something, you can buy a roller that cuts out the lattice on the, on the pastry. Callum doesn't like the finish that you get from a roller, so he takes a ruler and a knife and does it all by hand following his ruler uh, down, to the, down to the millimeter. I mean, if you've got the time, why not? Uh, but that's a, a talking of having the time. That's also something that I like about it. He's not afraid to tell you, listen, here's a great recipe for puff pastry, here's a great recipe for short crust. Uh, but for certain things, you know, if you're doing this or if you're doing that, the shop-bought stuff is, is just as good if you don't have the time, you know. Um, if you have the time and you want to do it, and it'll taste all the better for it, uh, do everything yourself. But sometimes, you know, don't be ashamed to say, oh, I bought the puff pastry uh, in the shop. I put up my hand, we buy in puff pastry quite often. Sometimes we want to do something extra special, so we make the puff pastry. Puff pastry is the best example because it is hugely time consuming and uh, requires a little bit of effort. Um, uh, and a lot of guys would buy in puff pastry but never tell you they buy it in. Uh, but uh, th that's one, just one, one example. So yeah, don't be afraid to, to go out there and you know cut a few corners if you have to. Uh, if, you, if you're in a rush, if you're just putting a, a nice fish pie on the table for your midweek dinner or something, you know, shop-bought puff pastry is just fine. If, if it's something you're doing, putting it together as a family and you know take the time start on your Sunday morning uh, making your puff pastry so that it's ready Sunday evening to put on top of your pie all it'll be it'll taste all the better for it but just one thing to remember good puff pastry requires big amounts of quality Irish butter of course of course now Alan just um, give us an idea of what what your favorite one is to make your favorite pate on crude and maybe I don't know I'm kind of thinking of even the suppliers up in North Mayo some of the pork yeah um, well it's, uh, it's um, so maybe I shouldn't because some people would be scared off. Uh, we use virtually exclusively free-range pork here in, uh, in Savoir-Faire, obviously in terrines, pâtés. Pork is your base sort of for everything, unless you're doing a fish, fish one. Pork is your base for everything, so it's always pork with something else or just pork. Um, and uh, I, we have a, a nose-to-tail philosophy here, not just for pork, but for whether it be beef or those, you know, those lesser cuts that maybe that require a little, require a little bit of more time of, in the cooking and uh, maybe a little bit more skill, skill in the prepping and uh, stuff. But you know, they have to be used as well. There's not just breast and a chicken, and there's not only steak and a cow. You know, there's there's lots of other stuff that needs to be used, and is just as tasty, if not more tasty, when well prepared. Um, so going back to the pork, uh, one bit of the pork that gets sadly oftentimes thrown in the bin uh, is the head. Uh, so the base for a lot of our pâté en is uh, pig's head. We, uh, I put them uh, in the oven uh, with nice uh, aromatic, you know, your carrot, your celery, uh, your onions, various spices. I like to drench them in a, a little bit of beer. I mostly use uh, mescan, one of our uh, 
local breweries here. Their uh, Saison in particular is a fantastic beer cook for cooking with, uh, but the others work uh, as well. And you just you know cover that over and just forget them in the oven for three, four hours uh, uh, at, a, at a sort of medium heat. And uh, when you take them out, it just uh, it all just falls off the bone. And the head is the head of a pig is an incredible thing. And I suppose it, this is true of the head of most animals. There's a, a, an incredible variety of textures and colours of meat in the head, from um, the the sort of forehead meat, which is quite pale and very very fatty, to the cheeks, which obviously work a lot, so much darker and leaner. Uh, the tongue is in the head, so the tongue is a beautiful uh, piece of meat when cooked nice and slow. Uh, just melts away, um, uh, and so yeah, the the, the Pâtion Prout I prefer doing are the ones where you know I'll often tell people oh it has tongue in it or as the you know but some I don't go into too many of the the gory details because that would scare people away, um, but yeah that's that's probably my favourite. It, it's it's so just, it's making just, a pig's head of it is a good thing in this case. Yes, yeah, yeah, very much so. Uh, pig's head, pig's trotters, uh, the ears is probably my favourite part of the head. The the ears of a pig. Uh, are very interesting because they have that lovely gelatinous skin uh, sort of aspect on the outside and then the cartilage when you cook it uh, that sort of it loses all doesn't lose all texture but it, it, it just becomes very floppy and soft and moist with just a tiny little bit of bite in the middle and you you bite into this and it's a combination of flavors and textures which is really interesting it's what you know all the top chefs will tell you you know combination of flavor textures and temperatures if you get a nice balance of all of those you have the perfect dish a right. pig's ear. A pig's ear is the perfect dish. There you go. So, Alain, uh, obviously you hope to be opening up again at some stage this year. Can you just tell us briefly what, if any, impact did Brexit have on your so, um, business? We're, we're very lucky in that, as mentioned before, everything we do is, is Irish. Um, but, uh, and so, uh, you know, our suppliers are still there with their fa fantastic produce and everything. But we're seeing, you know, my, my fear is that uh, Brexit and the pandemic as it is, has pushed a lot of people to go more local, which is absolutely fantastic. Uh, but, you know, um, we might see some shortages coming through that. That the, 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 the increase in demand for the local might mean that uh, a little restaurant might, like mine might not be able to, to get everything um, quite as easily. Uh, hopefully, you know, we've been open, it'll be two years soon that we've been open. Uh, yeah, well, a year and a bit and some pandemic in the middle that we've been open. So we've hopefully built a few strong relationships in, the, uh, in that time and uh, we shouldn't have too many problems, but um, uh, it's something to, to be mindful of. The other thing, and we're seeing this so now since January 1st that Brexit has kicked in, uh, some of the supplies like paper bags, wonderful suppliers struggling to get the particular kind of jars they use, not necessarily because everything was coming from the UK, but because a lot of things transited through the UK, uh, there's some big delays in getting things. And hopefully these are just teething problems why people uh, set up new routes and uh, new, get new procedures get put in place. But it seems to have uh, caught a few people off guard, amazingly. Uh, uh, and so that's, that's, that's one, one aspect. But yeah, hopefully, like I said, because the base of everything we do is focusing on the local, focusing on the Irish, it shouldn't have too big of a, an impact uh, for us. Great. Well, listen, Alan, thanks very much for your time. Not at all. Thank you, Ronan. Thanks for having me on. And uh, uh, I hope uh, this takes off and we can do it uh, uh, every year from now on. Great. Let's, let's have a coffee then. <laughs> Cheers. Take care. Bye.